Well, good morning. This thing's, uh, it's like carrying the Big Ten Championship trophy right here. <laughs> Maybe it'd be appropriate. OH. Hey, there we go. They had us scared at halftime, though, wasn't that? That was, ugh. Anyways, they, we, we all knew they would come back, though, right? Right, Michael? We knew it. We knew that. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, anyways, they dominated that second half. Should be number one, number one seed here in a little bit. All right. We'll find out. We'll find out. But thank you to our worship team. They've already left us here. And uh, didn't they sound good this morning? That was excellent. Excellent. Should get us into the Christmas mood, and we're definitely in the Christmas season. I know that this past Monday, we turned on the radio. I was taking the kids to, kids to school, and uh, Christmas music is playing, uh, some of the best music there is. Uh, but there's one song particularly that stood out on this Monday morning. We've heard it all week long. My uh, daughter and I just kind of chuckle whenever we hear this song now, but it's Do You Hear What I Hear? And uh, it was pointed out to me when I was... I was young, we had a Swedish exchange student living with us, and he, uh, this song came on the, on the radio, or we were listening to it, and he just said how, how dumb of a song it was. I was like, what? That's like sacrilegious. You don't, what are you talking about? That's a great song. Until I finally listened to the lyrics one day, and in this song, it says this. It says, said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Nobody gets that? I mean, I mean do, 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 do you guys all have little lambs that talk to you or something? All right? This little lamb that's talking to this shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? And then it goes on to say, a child, a child shivers in the cold. This cold child, what shall we bring them? We should bring him, of course, silver and gold. Yeah, that's exactly what this child needs, this cold child. Not a blanket, we're going to bring them silver and gold instead, all right? Well, anyways, I apologize because it is really a good song. It is. It is a good song, but, but it just uh, doesn't make sense, all right? It doesn't make sense in a few areas. And you're, anytime you hear that song now, you're going to think of those lyrics. I know Avery and I laugh every time that song comes on, but it is a good song, all right? Anyways, we are def- we're entering in not only the Christmas season, but also into our Christmas series, and, and it's looking very festive in here, all right? Holly and, and Scott Russell and their team did a great job, if you go out in the foyer. And uh, in many ways, outside of the weather, I am a warm weather person. Um, I told God whenever, hey, whenever you, if you ever take us away from Iowa, take us somewhere south. And I was, not, uh, per, I was not specific enough. It is south, southwest a little bit, but still cold weather state. And, um, but other, outside the weather, it's the best time of the year. And I love the Christmas season. I love the music. I love the traditions. I love the lights. I love the food. I love spending time with family and all the get-togethers. And then finally, you know, just a time to, a second to relax a little bit as well a second to slow down. And we all have these high hopes of Christmas, of what Christmas is supposed to be. You know, this, this hallmark Christmas where everything is, is crazy, but it all comes together to be the best Christmas ever in the longest two hours of your life. I mean, I'm sorry, the shortest two hours of your life. Sorry, Audra. Uh, Audra hates watching those movies with me. 
because I'm terrible about keeping my mouth shut during those, those movies. And I hate watching movies with that person as well, who just always has a comment, but I can't help it during these Hallmark movies. I mean, I, I find myself saying, whoa, I did not see that coming there. That was an unexpected twist right there. there I thought no way they would get back together and and just in time for Christmas, what are the chances? <laughs> I see that we've all watched those Hallmark movies. Same plot, same actors, different setting. But have we noticed that life isn't always a Hallmark movie? Thank you, Jesus. It isn't always just going to work out to be the best Christmas ever, and it is never just like you thought it would be. But sometimes the unexpected is the best. The Christmas series is entitled, this Christmas series is entitled An Unexpected Christmas. And I guess a lamb talking to a shepherd boy could be, um, could be unexpected. Maybe that should be our theme song. But for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how Mary and Joseph and the shepherds had the most unexpected Christmas. Each one of them could have said, hey, God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't see that coming. What in the world am I going to do now? And the premise for this series is this. God has been telling the world to expect a savior for hundreds of years. But when an angel told a virgin it was time, it was shocking news that changed the world. Been there when you're coasting along and suddenly your whole world gets flipped upside down? I think most of you know that just a couple weeks ago, Audra's my wife's father passed away suddenly. And I'm not going to speak into this other than this. I just want to say to and I need to say, I shouldn't have looked at my wife here. Maybe I'll say, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Every one of them was felt. Thank you for your well wishes. Thank you for your cards, your gifts. Every thought was appreciated. And it was good to be with family out in New Jersey. We rushed out there as soon as we could. But I know I speak for my wife as well. I'm saying it's good to be home with our church family as well. And we love you. And this Christmas story speaks in to times such as those. This Christmas story teaches how to, 
teaches us how to expect God's best when the unexpected in life happens. And today we're going to talk about Mary, who undoubtedly had one of the most unexpected Christmases in the history of man. And if there's a candidate for an ordinary life at that time, it probably would have been Mary. I mean, she was just a poor girl from an obscure village called Nazareth that was really looked down upon in that region. She was probably the age of about 13, come from a poor family. How could anyone expect anything great to come from her, to come from there? And there had been about 400 years of silence since Malachi last prophesied his warning to this people. 146,000 silent nights. And now there was this young, poor female, which really would have qualified her for nothing in the culture of that day, where she would have been deemed unusable by God. But I really believe that to God, that this made her the perfect candidate, candidate to be the mother of his son. All throughout Scripture, God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And it's no different here. So we pick up in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. And I don't even know where to begin because just a lot has obviously just happened there. First of all, this angel Gabriel, and, and that was big time. I mean, there's only two angels in the Bible who are named by name. They were mentioned by name, eight, uh, Gabriel and the archangel Michael. And Gabriel is proposing probably the biggest, and, and prob- probably not probably, the biggest event in the course of human history since the fall of man, the beginning of sin. God is sending his son, Jesus, rescuer, savior, son of the most high. And I could imagine what Mary is thinking. What? Are you sure that you have the right person? What is going on here? Is this really happening? And at first, Mary's reaction is this. It's fear and confusion. I mean, her whole world has just been turned upside down. Everything, it seems to be going well. She's waiting for 
her betrothed husband, Joseph, to come and sweep her away, to have a big parade and to have a big celebration and for them to be married and to live a happily ever after. And then, and then she's asked to do something crazy. Wait, you want me to be the mother of God's son? And at first Mary reacts. She is troubled. How can this be? And let's not forget what this is going to mean for her. It's going to spoil her reputation amongst, amongst the city. And probably not only her reputation, but also her family's reputation. There is going to be no grand wedding, no grand celebration. And her saying yes to this could have grave consequences as well. In Deuteronomy, it talks about how it says this, if a man marries a girl who is claimed to be a virgin and then finds that she is not, they shall bring that girl to the entrance of her father's house and there her townsmen shall stone her to death. This could cost her her life. And so what Mary is being asked could have grave consequence. It was crazy. But God has a history of asking his people to do things that don't make a ton of sense. I mean, remember the battle of Jericho? You want me to, what, go and march around the city seven times and blow my horns and the walls are going to come tumbling down? Really? What? Remember David? Just a young shepherd boy. You want who to face the giant? with just a sling and a few stones? What? Remember Gideon? He had 10,000 men for battle. But what did God ask of him? You want me to cut this army down to 300? You want me to go to battle with 300 rather than 10,000? What? But Mary may have had the craziest ass of all. I want you to have a baby without a man. Raise him and then release him to die, and then surrender your life to him whenever he comes back to life. Now, she probably didn't understand all of that. Mary, did you know? But that was her mission. I mean, who would have said yes to that? Would you? Well, first Mary reacts, and a lot of times we do the same thing whenever we're faced with adversity we react and reactions are out of emotions out of simple logic reactions are me centered to reflect feelings of what i expect reflect what i desire or even what i demand of others but while mary's mind is trying to pump the brakes on what's going on here her heart is softening to a whole new life, to a whole new world, to a whole new reality that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but her heart is saying, you know what? This is from the Lord. And the Lord is good, and this is going to be good. It isn't going to be easy, but it is going to be good. Do I trust God? Well, yes. Do I love God? I claim to, yes. Does God, lo- does God love me? I know he does. And she was able to respond by saying these words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I think that the 
question of the day is this. How was she able to respond in that way to this crazy assignment? I mean, this could have cost her her life. It was going to cost her 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 reputation, her family's reputation. Things were not going to be as she expected. She was not going to have that fairy tale ending. And this is so important because each one of us here, I think God wants us to have an unexpected Christmas. I mean, how many of us, God has asked of us to do something crazy. And so many times when we're asked to do something crazy or even something menial, we react out of fear rather than faith. We allow our minds to take over and think through it logically, and we come to the conclusion that surely God couldn't be asking me to do that. There's no way. But over and over and over again, God blesses most through the most illogical yeses. I mean, the whole message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I really believe that the kingdom grows one crazy yes at a time. And Mary is kicking off the gospel this morning with one of the craziest yeses of all time. And I want to talk about this. Three reasons that Mary was able to respond the way that she did and really was able to be excited, excited about the point that God had her on. The first reason that she was able to be excited was this, is that she was grounded in God's word. She knew the scriptures. She held to the scriptures. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. She knew the scriptures. She knew all the crazy asks that God had asked of his people. She knew about Abraham and how God had promised to make him into a great nation. But he wasn't able, him and his wife weren't able to have children until they were 100 years old. It's not too late, Audra. <laughs> this is all confusing to Abraham until finally he was able to have his son, his beloved son. And then when that beloved son was about 12 years old, God asked Abraham to give that son back. What? She knew about Joseph and the coat of many colors and how God had envisioned a grand future for, for Joseph. But in order to get to that grand future, you're going to have to go through betrayal. You're going to be hated. You're going to have to endure a pit. You're going to have to endure slavery. You're going to have to endure prison. Want me to do what? She even knew of God's prophet Isaiah who was asked to go and preach repentance to a people that would not respond because their hearts were callous. What? But Mary also knew Isaiah's response to that very tough question, to that very tough ask. Isaiah's response was, here am I, send me. It was that same Isaiah who prophesied in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9, prophesied, but the Lord will still give you proof. A virgin is pregnant. She will have a son and will name him Emmanuel, God with us. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. He will be our ruler and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
So when Gabriel came and she got past the initial, initial reaction of what and started to hold to the task of Scripture, she knew that this wasn't as crazy as her first reaction had thought. She, and she was able to respond, here am I, send me. I'll never forget a crazy wiffle ball game that we had in New Jersey with uh, Avery Brooks and all their cousins. I was just making up these rules as we went along in this wiffle ball game, as I normally do. And um, the kids did not like all the rules that I had. In fact, every time that I was, somebody was out or safe, one of the kids would always respond with, what? Every single time. And after about 20 times, I, said, I made up another rule. I said, all right, if anyone uses the word what, you're going to lose a run. You're going to lose a point, which was immediately followed with what? Just, it, just like that. Now, the girls won on that day, not because they scored more runs or they played better, but really they won because they, were, they learned to respond rather than react to every call that was made, at least better than the boys were able to do. And when we know and understand God's rule and his word in our life, we are also going to be better equipped to respond rather than to react to respond in love and wisdom and, more importantly, obedience to God's desires, no matter how crazy that I ask might be. Rather than, rather than react, we'll be able to respond. And as much as I have wrestled with God, it's been my experience that there is always, always blessing behind obedience. There is always blessing behind obedience. In Romans 2, it says this, For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. In Matthew 6, 33, it says this, To seek first the kingdom of God in all of his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And not only was Mary grounded in God's word, but she was also gifted with great faith. We know in Hebrews it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And we know that we cannot please God without faith, according to Hebrews. And Mary had to have a great faith to accept this most difficult of assignments. I mean, she started out and she was greatly troubled. And then she was greatly confused. But then she was greatly encouraged with truth about who God is and, and his character. No word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible with God. And it allowed Mary to lean into him and courageously be obedient. I can't help but think that there are people here that are also troubled. I can't help but think that there are people here today that are also confused at what God is doing in their life right now. I really believe that that could have been any one of us that God is giving that assignment to. You see, Mary wasn't sinless, but yet she was, she was just a simple girl. She was a servant. And when God is handing out assignments, I think the greatest ability that he's looking for 
is dependability. I mean, God didn't really roll out the red carpet for Mary, did he? You want us to go where? You want me to go to Bethlehem? I'm so pregnant. I'm so, I'm so uncomfortable, Lord. What do you mean there's no room in the inn? You want us to have this baby where? In a stable? What do you mean we can't go home? You want us to go to Egypt? We don't know anyone in Egypt. But her response was continually, yes, I'll go. I'll do it. Anything for the Lord. In fact, not only is she obedient, but she treasures all these things in her heart, all these things that had happened. And she has this to say about her God that just gave her an impossible task in her song to him. She calls him Savior. God, you're a doer of great things. God, you are holy. God, you are merciful. God, you exalt even the lowly. You are the helper of Israel. And it is this kind of heart that is able to be faithful even to the point of death. And as you see Mary's obedience and hear her grateful heart that is so evident, we also understand that what's able to allow her to say yes is this, is that she is grateful. She is grateful for God's sovereignty. And it is this point here that I really believe is going to allow each one of us to respond to God's calling no matter how crazy it is. Do you have a grateful heart? First Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is Christ's will for you in Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When I was at Geneva College, when I was going to school there, there was one chapel service that we had that stood out probably more than any others. And it was a time in my life when my questions were shifting from, you know, what do I want to do with my life to, God, what do you want to do with my life? And we had a guy by the name of David Thompson speaking that morning, and I had no idea who David Thompson was. I had no idea about his story, but it was a story that I'll never forget. He was a medical missionary who grew up on the mission field in Cambodia, son of missionary parents. When he was 14, his dad came upon an accident, and he tried to aid the dying man. Moments before he passed, his dad sat next to him and tried to share the gospel with him, but the dying man only wanted medical help. He said, don't tell me about your God now. Help me. From that moment on, David set his sights on becoming a missionary doctor. He felt called to help the sick and dying in health and in spirit, just like his father attempted to do on that day. Well, David ended up at Geneva College for his pre-med. And it was during his sophomore year at Geneva College that he got word that the president wanted to see him in his office. And when he got to the president's office and he walked in and he saw that several of his professors were also in there, he knew that it wasn't good news. They shared with him on that day that his parents had been gunned down in Vietnam where they had been serving. They'd been gunned down by communist soldiers. David said he didn't know how to react. But he went back to his dorm room, and this is where it gets really real, because I pictured David in my dorm room. 
in the basement dorm of Memorial Hall. Just receiving the news that his parents had been murdered. You think David had my attention that morning? He said that he went back to his dorm room. And the only thing that he could think to pray in that moment was, why? Over and over and over again, he asked God, why? A question that's been asked a million times in a million different ways. Why? He said that there was silence other than him weeping, him in anguish, him in hurt, him in anger for about an hour. And then he finally felt like he got a response from God. God just simply asked David this question. David, do you trust me? David said he was enraged at this answer. Do I trust you, God? I'm giving my life to be a medical missionary, to help your people, to serve you. Of course I trust you. Why did my parents, who had given their lives for you and for the gospel, have to die? Why? But again, he only heard, David, do you trust me? And a third time, David, do you trust me? With hurt and anger in his heart, he relented and said, okay, God, I trust you. And I'll never forget these words that David shared with us next. Whenever he relented and shared that he trusted in God, God responded by saying this. All right, if you trust me, then say thank you. What? But David knew. that it was the ultimate expression of trust. David said, God, I, I do love you and I want to serve you, but there's no way I can say those words. He said that there were many people praying for him on that day and he finally came to the conclusion that he was really never going to do anything significant for God unless he was willing to trust him in the good times and the bad times. So we finally responded, Lord, I do not understand. I do not feel thankful. But because you ask, because I trust you, I will say the words. And he said it was the hardest words he ever had to say. And he said, Lord, thank you. He said he wasn't expecting anything to happen, but when he said the words, he felt a peace pouring over his soul. Something supernatural was happening. His parents were still dead. His brothers and sisters and him were still orphaned. But in his heart, in his heart was a feeling that he could only describe as restful. 
Philippians 4 says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, a prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The rest of the story goes like this. One of David's brothers could never get past the why and really floundered most of his life, struggle upon struggle, searching for peace in all the wrong places. But David went on to found a Pan-African Academy of Christian surgeons, training them medically and training them spiritually. He founded one of the biggest hospitals in Gabon, Africa, where in the last 25 years, over 25,000 people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you think, do you think God's way is the best way? Not the easiest, but the best. And here's what I'm asking you today. What is holding you back from having that unexpected Christmas? I mean, do you trust him? Then thank him. The ultimate expression of trust. Do you love him? Then follow him. The ultimate expression of devotion. Do you know him? Do you know him as rescuer? Do you know him as savior? Then surrender to him. And I pray this for your life and for mine on this day. God, do not do not please do not give me my heart's desire for this Christmas. I don't want a Hallmark Christmas. I want something much better. I desire something so unexpected this Christmas. Help me to sincerely ask this question. God, what do you want for Christmas? How can I be a living sacrifice? And God, when you answer that question, help me to respond as Mary responded with one of the craziest yeses there is. Yes, Lord, I am your servant. And because I know that that your kingdom grows one crazy yes at a time. Maybe there's someone here today that's never shared that crazy yes. That's never put him first in their life. In this Christmas season, I can't think of a better time. It's a great reminder of how much God loves us, that he's willing to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, to be born to a virgin, to be born to a vir- to be born to a servant, a simple poor girl with a crazy face, to show us how to live, teach us how to love and to give, and to ultimately die for each one of us on that cross. Maybe there's someone here that's never said yes to God's plan for their life. Maybe there's someone here that God's asking you to do something crazy. 
and you've reacted to that with logic rather than faith. Maybe today is the day that you're all in for Jesus Christ. I know that we all only have one life to live, and that soon will pass, but what's done for Christ is the only thing that will last. Let's make our life count. God, we thank you. We thank you for how you showed your love in the most unexpected ways and how you continue to show your love in the most unexpected ways. We thank you for this Christmas season. Now we get a chance to celebrate that love that came into this world through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that this season is all about getting on board with you, saying yes to you, no matter what that calling might look like. Help us to be all in. Help us to give that crazy yes, to have that crazy faith. Help us to respond to what you've already done, what you've already won. Maybe there's somebody here today that knows that they need to make a decision for you. I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to stand out in faith and say yes. We love you and pray us in Jesus' name.